0: Acts chapter 4 this morning, Acts chapter 4, we are continuing here in our uh, our series of uh, identification of a mighty church or marks of a mighty church, and we just have a few more of these uh, messages before we'll conclude a series here, um, our Sunday morning uh, series, but who can re- recall, just shout it out if you can read, well, raise your hand, so... Uh, so uh, if you don't remember, you're not embarrassed. It's just, a, it's just a, so you're not just all silent and I'm embarrassed. <laughs> what, is a, uh, what is a mark of a mighty church or characteristic or trait of a mighty church that we heard? I know we didn't, we didn't teach on this last week, but or maybe even the week before we didn't either. But so it's been a good, it's been a good two weeks, but nevertheless, this is our ninth lesson. What is a mark of a mighty church? A mark of a mighty church. Yes, Ms. Loban. A soul-winning church? Was that is that? Mark of a mighty church is Jesus. You got the answer right. <laughs> Jesus is uh, lifted up, and uh, uh, we won't go there anymore, okay? Um, look back at your notes if you've been taking notes. Acts chapter 4, we're going to see uh, one of these attributes of a mighty church here. And, and uh, before I, I give it away, We've already given it away. Uh, Acts chapter four. Let's look at verse number thirty-one. We're going to see it, though. We're going to see it displayed. If you didn't catch the PowerPoint up there, we're going to we're going to see. Uh, it doesn't actually say the word that was in the PowerPoint there, which is uh, kind of kind of interesting. Uh, but we're going to see how it's all played out here. And then Acts chapter four, verse number thirty-one. The Bible says, "And when they had prayed." The place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, I don't want anybody to be, to feel eerie about uh, the name, the term Holy Ghost, the whole term Holy Ghost, the name is synonymous with Holy Spirit, another name for the Holy Spirit of God, uh, the Comforter is another name for Holy Spirit of God. Um Nevertheless, these people, they got saved. They trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. They put their faith in Christ, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. God uh, took up residence in their hearts. And then the Bible says, "...and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul." So the multitude of them that believed, multitude is a good amount, uh, a multitude is a, is a great amount of people, and it tells us a little bit later how many that was, but 5,000, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart, and they were of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which po- uh, possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. So we see there was unity that was taking place. Um, they, uh, they were of one heart and of one soul. Um, and they had all things in common. Now, that's, that can be a pretty impossible thing to happen um, for, for everybody to have all things in common. Now, I think of people in here that I might have some things in common. I, I have some things in common, but not all things in common with you. Uh, but they had all things in common. The, the, the common denominator that they have, the common denominator that I have uh, with folks in here uh, in common is Christ. We are united in Christ. He's our He's our heavenly Father. He's our spiritual Daddy. When we get saved, and so there was a com- they had all things in common, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses. They sold them and uh, brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Let's pray and ask the Lord uh, to meet with us. Lord, I need you, God. I pray that you'd help me. I pray that you'd fill me with thy Holy Spirit, God. I pray that you would fill every person in here with your Holy Spirit I pray that you'd empty us of ourselves, first of all, empty of us of any sin there may be that, is, uh, that may be hindering, Lord, uh, free flow, free communication uh, by your spirit in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you'd work. I pray that you'd have your will and way. I pray that you'd teach us, Lord, uh, this action word that we're about to study. May we see it exhibited and displayed uh, in this example of this, of this church and the people that made uh, this early church, Lord, in these few churches here that are represented in the book of Acts. God, I pray that you'd work. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we consider the marks of a mighty church, without a doubt, one of the marks of a great church is an intense, loving spirit. A, a, without a doubt, a, a mark of a mighty church. This sounds way different than it normal, normally does, Brother Bob. I can I can handle it, but I feel if, if I uh, raise my voice a little, it's going to be very loud. Um, um, love is a mark of a mighty church. A church that is mighty for the cause of Christ is going to have love. Uh, love is exhibited, of course, as we attempt to be uh, Christians, what God wants us to be, we should reflect love in life. Now, love isn't, isn't always just rolling over and, and uh, you know, it's not always, it's, it's sometimes it requires making a stand, taking a stand. Sometimes uh, love is exhibited in sharing truth. And uh, sometimes the truth is hard to share. And sometimes the truth is hard to receive because it may not be what we want to hear. But nevertheless, a mark or an attribute of a mighty church is an intense, loving spirit. And as we survey uh, the churches in the book of Acts, which we have done for several weeks now, uh, we don't see the word love mentioned one time in this book. That's an interesting thought and an interesting thing to consider. But the actions of love, the attributes of love, the, uh, the verb that makes uh, the, the word love is definitely evidenced in most of the pages throughout this book of the Bible. And so I want to say this morning that love is more than a word. Amen? Uh, love is more than just saying, love you, I love you. Um, that's definitely important, an important thing that we should be communicating with our lips uh, but we should be doing more than just communicating with our lips. We should be showing love in our actions as well. And the fact of the matter is that's what makes love what love is. And so just because the word love is spoken doesn't mean that it's actually backed up by the content of it. How many of you grew up in a household and and the word love was a, maybe a sparse word that was spoken? beyond I... I uh, I don't know that it was so sparse. It wasn't always uh, uh, the first thing. And it, that, that, that was spoken all the time in communication. But, but I, I believe that love was there. I believe it's very important to communicate that word love. Oh, one of the lessons I taught some time ago was to, to practice saying the word. And I believe as you practice saying the word, telling my spouse I love you, I think it, it, can, help, it can help for the actions to... To come along with it as well, but um, but how many of you have ever had somebody tell you they love you? But then you're thinking, really? Are they? Are you evidencing that love? Is is love really being shown there? You know, it's almost uh, as if uh, lip service is being performed there. And um, this morning, I I taught a little bit on uh, love. It wasn't the primary lesson, but but. Uh, uh, I don't recommend that young people, as they start considering relationships of the opposite gender, you know, as they start getting older, and and I'm already praying for my future, my future spouses, the future spouses of my kids. Um, I'm only going to have one, Lord willing, hopefully. Uh, but um, I've i begun praying even when they were just Kyler's age. I've been praying, God, would you would you be uh, molding and creating and and shaping and just uh, just preparing the future spouse of my, my sons, my boys, uh, all four of them. And then I've been praying, would you, would you, would you create in them a, a pure heart? Would you keep them pure and, and help them to have a walk with you and a desire to live with you and, and walk with you and, and, and all that? And so I got off this morning in, a, in class and I was talking about being careful not to use that word and, and making that, when, when you do it, when there's not really love there, I encourage them not just to go and tell, you know, 25, maybe more than that. Don't just tell every kid that you think is cute, that you love them. Okay? Re- keep that word reserved for, uh, for the person that you might marry. And I say it's probably a good thing to maybe ask your parents. And then it's uh, probably a, a good sign... You know, how do you know who you're going to marry? Well, it's probably a good indication maybe if you, if you propose to them and they have an, an engagement ring. I think you might be safe to tell that person that you love them. But I was just trying to give some wisdom there and encourage them not to, not to treat that word uh, frivolously. And so I said, what happens? You grow up and you have told all these people you love them already, but then you don't end up marrying that person. And uh, that's a different subject. But anyways, uh, the, the point is here, not making that word of little value, making, making sure that we, we use that word significantly and with the content and the value and the weight that it carries. We ought not cheapen the word or the meaning. And, the meaning. and so I try to love people. As a pastor, I do. As a, as a Christian, I, I try to love people. We know that God so loved the world How did God so love the world? God so loved him that he gave his only begotten son. One of the ways that God showed his love to us, to the entire world was being a sacrifice, being a payment for the sins of all mankind. And so you can't love without without giving. Uh, Love is definitely displayed in one of the avenues of giving. Uh, of that is giving, and so I try to love people, and I try not to use that word frivolously until I've shown or tried to pro- prove it first in my life. Now, I've known Brother Dave for a while indirectly. I've known him kind of from a distance. I've known that God used him on the mission field and his family, and I've prayed for him, and I've, we've, we've had the opportunity to work together, but up until this last year and a half or so, uh, we've we've gotten a little bit closer, I, I believe, and we've gotten to know each other. I've gotten to know his family a little bit more intimately, and and we've prayed for each other. And uh, I've told Brother Dave, I've told several of you that I love you a time or two, and and I sincerely mean that. And it's easier to love somebody when you when you're praying for them. It's easier for that to come naturally when. When you know them and when you've prayed for them and when you care about their cares, you care about theirs. All that to say, I've told Brother Dave, I love him a time or two. And, and uh, he's never really, I know I'm being kind of sensitive a little <coughs> here. He's never reciprocated that word until recently. And I remember we just, we had a meeting recently. I was able to talk to him and we were, uh, we were discussing some things. And then before, uh, before he left, he said, love you, man. And I thought, yes, (laughs) Um, because I think that there was love reciprocated there. And I feel like maybe I've, I've gotten into his heart a little bit there and, or maybe he's just feeling sorry for me. I don't know. But, but um, all that to say, love is more than a word. Love is more than a word. It's shown by actions. It's shown by sincerity. It's shown by care. Uh, It doesn't matter that it's not mentioned in the book of Acts because it's shown and it's proven throughout this book and the circumstances uh, that are uh, listed and uh, shown throughout these different churches here. And so this morning the message is this. We're going to see a church that loves. A mighty church for the cause of Christ is a church that loves. And I think we've got a very loving church here. One of the benefits, I think, of COVID that we experienced over this last year and a half or so is that, man, we, we were having, were we having scheduled meal trains? I'm not sure if we had them actually scheduled, but I know various people were receiving different meals as they were sick and, and people were bringing over gifts and, and uh, there was prayers that was lifted up. If anything, COVID has been a blessing in that we've prayed for each other more than we have prior COVID. Amen. I know, the, uh, I know the Richies and I've prayed for them, but, but uh, I, haven't, uh, I haven't prayed for them daily like I had in recently this last week. And so there's blessings uh, uh, through, these different, uh, through these different trials that we can face. But this morning, I would like for us to observe, observe three evidences of love in the early church. Three evidences of love in the early church. Look with me in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and we're going to see in verse number 1, Acts chapter 4, in verse number 1, number 1 is this, a church that loves endures persecution, a church that loves endures persecution, I heard of uh, this story, I read several, uh, probably about three articles this week that talks about the uh, when they say the church in Afghanistan, uh, I think it's corporately talking about the different churches. No doubt there were different there were different saved people that make up the church in Afghanistan. But I read a couple of articles and it talked about the church in Afghanistan is it's with the Lord now. The persecution they've been killed. Christians have been killed. I saw a picture of a helicopter. It is one of our helicopters that the uh, Taliban was flying, and it was hanging a body of a Christian, dragging it through the air. I I, I can't quote it, but I saw where it talked about one of the uh, one of the Christians was. Uh, was given a testimony, they had written something and it was talking about how they're about to die, but they knew the spirit of God was with them because they were, they, were, they were joyous in the fact that they knew where they were gonna go and they hoped to be a martyr or suffer for the Lord. Now we, we I don't think we as Americans comprehend what's going on fully But there are people that are dying for their faith in Christ. And they are exhibiting love through persecution. There are several examples through scripture of people enduring love through persecution. I think of number one, I think of the persecution on Peter. And we find this in Acts chapter 4. Look at verse number 1. It says, And as they spake unto the people the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day for it was now eventide. And so now you guys, you know this story here from the time of Pentecost, there had been great preaching. Pentecost takes place in chapter number two. Uh, There was preaching that took place. And uh, the Bible says that people understood the gospel in their own tongues, their own languages. And uh, many people got saved, and then uh, there was a multitude of people. Uh, they heard the gospel, they got saved, and God was working in their midst. But uh, did, you, did you know this that anytime that God is working, the devil is not happy? Anytime a soul gets saved, anytime the Spirit of God is, is doing a work in, in, in somebody's heart, anytime somebody is attempting to do something for God, uh, the devil's not happy about that, and so the devil attacks. The, the devil will bring persecution oftentimes, and God allows persecution um, so that he can accomplish his ultimate providence, his ultimate will uh, in our lives, and, and uh, Peter was certainly faithful uh, through the persecution, but, but uh, the devil will sometimes use the most unlikely crowd, and sometimes he'll use the religious crowd to fight the preaching of the word and and uh, in, in 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 as God's trying to accomplish something uh, but that's exactly what happened here in this story there was the the Sanhedrin uh, saw that Peter and the disciples were preaching of uh, the word and people were getting saved there was a great multitude that already got saved and so the Sanhedrin came there were 72 members of the Sanhedrin and uh, the Sanhedrin who who knows what the the, the group of people or the, the titles that the Sanhedrin consisted of. Anybody know off the top of their head? I think you know. You'll know when I tell you. The Sanhedrin consisted of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And uh, anybody know what the Sadducees believed? We talked about this before. They were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in resurrection. And so the Sadducees, they didn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Peter had been preaching that Jesus rose from the dead and that the way to heaven is through uh, Christ. And so the Sadducees didn't like that. The Pharisees didn't like that. They were lumped into the same group there, but they, they consisted, the Sanhedrin did, of these 72 members, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And so uh, this group was upset because Peter was preaching the resurrection, uh, was, was preaching Jesus. And the Bible says in verse number 3, they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day. And so that putting hands on them wasn't an ordination service. It wasn't a, it wasn't a faith healing service where they were trying to get a... No, they, they laid hands on them. They physically took Peter and, and others here, and they put them in hold. They put them in, in prison, in jail overnight there, and uh, the religious people were the ones that did this. Verse number four, it says this: Howbeit many of them which it heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about five thousand. And although Jesus was, uh, um, uh, Peter was uh, jailed there, yet the gospel was going out, and there was persecution on Peter. And uh, Peter faithfully and consistently continued to preach the gospel. I think of the persecution of Stephen, uh, the first martyr. And let's see here if there was love in his heart. Turn to Acts chapter 7. Turn over just a, a couple of pages to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And then in verse number 51. How many of you are familiar with Peter getting, getting rocked, getting stoned? Uh, he got rocks thrown at him and killed. And, and so we see here the account of uh, Stephen, a Christian. People killed him because he was preaching Jesus, and it was a religious crowd once again. Acts chapter 7, verse number 51, it says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been uh, now the betrayers and murderers? Who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. Look at verse number 4 especially when they heard these things. So he was preaching Jesus yes but he's preaching that they're stiff necked Stiff neck meaning you need to get saved, you need to trust Christ as savior. Then in verse number 54 when they heard these things they were cut to the heart. He was he preaching the truth? Yes amen, he was preaching the truth. They didn't like the truth. Sometimes people don't like the truth. But the truth is the truth, and God wants the truth preached. And God allowed Stephen to go through this. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. You know, I I think of this, and I think of my experience preaching the gospel now for some 20-some years. I got, I believe I got called in like 99, 2000, I surrendered to to uh, train in ministry, gospel ministry, and I had different opportunities preaching in different places. Uh, one year, I was a summer evangelist with Neighborhood Bible Time, and I got to go to different states, probably about four or five different states and have youth rallies and preach the gospel. And uh, sometimes they, they've been all different flavors. This country has all different flavors of people. Some are a more, little more standoffish, some are a little more receptive, but there's pockets of people in the receptiveness of their hearts uh, throughout the country. But anyway, I preach in different venues. I've, I've knocked on doors uh, uh, giving the gospel in different areas. And, and uh, uh, I've had some negative experiences. I had people as we were starting church in Arizona. Uh, there was a guy who uh, I, uh, I, I, I went and I was going to put a grand opening invitation. Actually, I handed it to him. And then um, he looked at it. He said, "I don't want this thing, church." I might have cussed. I don't remember all the details. Um, and I, I said, "If we can ever do anything for you, let us know." I started to walk away, and then he ran behind me, grabbed me, and he stuck the invitation in my like, tried to stick it in my in my collar here. Well, that that was not a that was not a receptive thing. That was not a, a kind thing. You know, he didn't. Welcome, But there's been other times where I've given out the gospel in an invitation or talked to somebody, and they're like, you know, I was just thinking about that. I was just thinking about heaven. And then it's like, well, I know God ordained that meeting, and then the person gets saved. Well, well, <clears throat> I've never had somebody gnash on me, bite me with their teeth. I've never had somebody, as I was, as I was, as I was preaching the gospel to them, Literally, the Bible says that these people, they gnashed on him, they, they handled him, they gnashed on him with their teeth. I think of another story when we, I started off preaching. I wanted to get involved in ministry and the church in Lancaster, California. Uh, I, I got in a group that would rotate preaching at nursing homes. And I wasn't the preacher that day, but I would go. Sometimes I would lead the singing, and sometimes I would preach. But this day, I wasn't preaching, thankfully. I wasn't preaching. Thankfully. Um, because I don't know how I could have done it, but nevertheless, it was still funny. The guy that was preaching, I led some songs, and the guy got up to preach, and as the guy was preaching the entire time, there was an old man in the back in his wheelchair holding up the bird, holding up his middle finger, the entire service, 30 minutes long. Maybe not quite 30 minutes, I don't know, but, but all that to say that you know, we 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 think of that in the persecution, and and I've had some negative experiences preaching the gospel, but I've never had the persecution where somebody's biting me, handling me, and and uh, as uh, Stephen did here. The Bible says in verse number sixty, and Stephen, he cried with a loud voice, and he said this through this persecution. This is how Stephen loved. He said, "Lord." Lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And so we see love in the life of Peter through persecution. We see love in the life of Stephen. And, and even through his death, that, he didn't just fall asleep and take a nap, folks. He died. He, he gave up the ghost, the Bible says. And, and he says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge as he was getting pelted with stones as he's preaching the gospel. But all that to say, love endures persecution. I want you to notice a a third example here, persecution, persecution in the church. Turn over to chapter 12, chapter 12, Acts chapter 12. Say amen when you get there. Verse number one, it says this. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. That word vex is not a good thing. That word vex in, in, uh, uh, um, implies persecution. It implies negativity. It, it implies that uh, he wasn't going to be good to the church, certain of the church. In verse number two, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And if you continue on, you'll see uh, the Bible says that the love of Christ constrained them and and they kept preaching the word of God. They kept starting churches. They kept doing what God had called them to do, sharing the love of God. The ultimate way you can share the love of God is through sharing the gospel. Somebody shares the gospel with you, that's that's one of the most loving things that could ever be done. If somebody ever comes to you ask do you know that you're saved have, have you have you do, you do you know for sure that if you died that you'd go to heaven that's a very nice question to be asked that means they care they care for your internal destination i uh, I think I went and i would say this sometime uh, but uh, I had been on staff at a, a very large church and my wife and I and and uh, actually first Baptist in Hammond and our missions department and we were working there. I mean, we were, we were big time, right? And so uh, uh, you just as would assume that if we worked there on a, at church, we'd be saved. Well, uh, we'd went. I brought my mom and we had a visitor, uh, visitor Bob, I believe it was. And Bob, the guy that we'd been praying for, um, he passed away, I think this past couple of days ago now. Thank you for those that prayed that I could share the gospel with him. I did, was able to share the gospel with him and and uh, get a little bit of confirmation that he heard it, but nevertheless, I remember I remember going to the church just for a service, and we sat down at the bottom. Uh, we sat down at the bottom of the uh, the first floor there, and and uh, we had an usher show us to our chairs. And uh, as we were getting settled into the chairs, the, the usher kind of uh, tapped me a little bit and said, uh, shook my hand, say so he, he said, I'm glad you're here, something like that, and he said do you know for sure that if you died that heaven would be your home and I thought for a second I thought man I'm I'm on staff here you know my pride wanted to say my pride wanted to come out but I didn't respond I, I believe I responded properly and I said yes sir I, I've been saved I trusted Christ uh, I have trusted Christ as my savior thank you for asking me though appreciate that And. And uh, then that was it, and he was—he helped me to my seat there. But I, I was thankful for somebody that was soul conscious. I was thankful for somebody that cared about my soul. He wasn't just content on on me sitting down and and uh, and that's it, but he he wanted to share the gospel if there was an opportunity. It was a very kind thing. We see the love of uh, Peter, who was jailed for preaching. We see the love of uh, Stephen, who although he was about. Uh, to die, he showed love for his persecutors. We see the persecution on uh, the church and then uh, Acts chapter 12, verse two, the Bible says this, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And throughout scriptures here, uh, the the love of Christ constrained them to preach the gospel with boldness. I I see a third uh, persecution here. We see persecution from Satan, persecution from Satan. Uh, Look at chapter 13, chapter 13. Now I'll say this, I don't don't think necessarily that all persecution is from Satan. God sometimes allows persecution, and it's not necessarily Satan the one that's persecuting. But we see here, we do see, I I believe, Satan working in the midst. And uh, chapter 13, look at verse number 8. It says, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, by God, talking about the, uh, it's talking about the first sent out missionaries of Paul and Barnabas. It says, they departed unto Seleucia and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the Isle of Paphos, uh, they found a certain sorcerer false prophet, a Jew. Notice this man he was, a, he was a sorcerer, but he's also a Jew. and a little side statement, Jews need to get saved just like Gentiles do. Amen. Just like anybody, anybody gets saved just the same. It's through the blood of Christ and what can wash away my sin? nothing but the blood of Jesus. It says this. it says this a sorcerer who was a Jew whose uh, name was Bar Jesus, uh, which was the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Look at verse number 8. But uh, Elimus, the sorcerer, I believe this is Bar-Jesus, this man Elimus, uh, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. And so all that to say in the story here, Paul and Barnabas, they're preaching the word. There's the man that wants to hear the word of God. And the Bible says this sorcerer got involved in the, in the situation here. And he's trying to keep him. He's trying to keep him from hearing the gospel. And Satan allows that those, those distractions sometimes. Satan will persecute in, 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 uh, in trying to distract from the good things. I often have said that uh, the devil likes to mess up the PA system because as the word of god is the word of god's trying to be uh, preached and as we were on deputation as missionaries we would often show a video and you know we're trying to do the work of god and, and it seems like there was always some type some kind of a problem that would take place with showing the video or something like that and and uh, there can be distractions satan less distractions one of the reasons when we go when we go soul winning when we when we communicate the gospel we often will do it two by two, and we encourage that, or even uh, a larger number. You know, you can you can have too many people, I think, sometimes. But if you're two by two, you can have you can have help for distractions. Uh, you can have somebody as a silent partner, somebody as the prayer partner, somebody as uh, you know. Maybe there's a distraction as you're talking to somebody at their home, and and the television is is going or there's some distraction with kids or a dog or something somebody can over be over here brother Dave can be over here petting the dog while the gospel's being communicated but but there was persecution taking place and this this uh this sorcerer i mean think sorcerers are from the devil i don't think god does not have sorcerers okay all right, and so the sorcerer was trying to keep them from, from receiving the word of God. But the devil can hinder, the devil uh, will persecute. We see the devil uh, was trying to persecute these, uh, these folks in the church here. And so we see, though, that love causes us to endure Persecution. Love causes to endure persecution in the life of Peter, the life of Stephen, uh, the first church, one of the first churches, and then also a persecution by Satan. But then we see also persecution of the Apostle Paul. Uh, I'm not going to take time to go over this one here, but you're familiar. Of course, the Apostle Paul endured persecution. And I want to submit to you this morning that, uh, there, uh, uh, that there is something special that motivated Paul. It was the love of Christ because going through what the Apostle Paul went through, after I have went through a few of those trials that he did, I'd be okay. I'm going to hang up the keys. All right, I'm going to hang up this career. If it was a career, but it wasn't a career. It was a calling. And the love of Christ motivated, the love of Christ constrained the Apostle Paul, one of the leaders of the, of the uh, uh, early uh, churches here to do what he did for the cause of Christ. And so he was trying to show love to those. Is it worth it, Paul? From a human standpoint, no. But his love for God is what his motivation was even in the persecution. If a church is truly mighty, we see that she will endure persecution. I think of my last illustration here, the last example uh, this morning for uh, this in persecution. I think of Jim Elliot. How many of you remember on Wednesdays, we we talked about Jim Elliott? Do you remember? Do you know Jim Elliott and what happened? If you're not familiar, Jim Elliot was a recent missionary. He wasn't way back in the 1800s. Jim Elliot was a man that went to Wheaton College in Illinois here. And then on weekends, he would go with his, with his uh, future wife and they would they would evangelize in downtown Chicago. But Jim Elliott sensed the call of God to go to uh, uh, Ecuador, uh, Central America, to preach the gospel to the Aka Indians. And as they planned and as they found a population of Aka Indians in the Amazon, uh, there they landed the plane. And then they were trying to call a group together so that they could preach the gospel on a Sunday. But that group that they called in to try to preach the gospel to them, were people that ended up killing him. He lost his life on that day. One of the quotes that he made in his journal prior to giving his life was this. Uh, He said this, God is currently peopling heaven and it's not up to me to assume God is only peopling uh, heaven with only those who were up in years. He may choose to people heaven with young men like me. And then it was on January 8th, 1956, that this man went to this barbaric tribe with the gospel for the first time and he was tragically killed with other missionaries. It was the love of Christ that allowed him to endure the persecution even until death. But get this, it was the love of Christ that constrained his wife to go back to that same group of people just two years later and preach the gospel to the very people that killed her husband. And as a result of that love constraining her, and as a result of that love, uh, the love of Christ filling her, nearly all that tribe has gotten saved and nearly all that tribe considers themselves to be a Christian tribe to this day. I heard a story of two young men uh, that uh, uh, in a snow-filled neighborhood of Detroit, the snow had come down, and they had their shovels uh, with them, and they were walking around looking for some work to do to earn some money as they could shovel some drives, and uh, as they were looking for jobs to do, they came across a man who was about halfway done when they asked the man, can we clear your driveway? The man looked at the boys, and he was a little bit disgusted, and he said, Can't you see? I'm doing it myself, and I'm almost finished. They said, That's why we asked. Most of our business comes from people who are halfway through, and they feel like quitting. I want to say to you this morning those that may be downtrodden, those that may be discouraged, and those that may feel uh, somewhat persecuted, maybe even are persecuted here this morning, just keep on keeping on. The devil is looking for you who are about halfway through and you feel like quitting. But if the apostle... Peter can be jailed and beaten and go on preaching. If the apostle Paul can be jailed and beaten multiple times and go on preaching. If Stephen can, can have his life taken because he's preaching the gospel and say, lay not this sin to their charge. We can keep on keeping on as well. We can finish our courses with love and joy as well. What propelled these people to do what they did for God I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13. Just a couple books over from the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. 1 Corinthians 13. This is often considered the love chapter of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13 and then verse number 4, I want you to notice here, description of love and again doesn't use the word love here but uses the word charity which is transliterated translated love in action bible says in verse number four it says charity suffereth long and is kind charity envieth not charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly seeketh not her own is not easily provoked thinketh no evil rejoiceth not in iniquity But rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. The kind of love we see in the Bible does not quit. The kind of love we see in the Bible, it endures only because of Christ and through Christ. A church that loves endures. We've endured some. Different situations here as a church. We've endured some heartache. We've endured some uh, situations, personal situations, some some loss. Uh, we've endured grief. I believe that's all a mark of a mighty church. The Bible teaches. But number two, love enjoys participation. Number one, love endures persecution. Love enjoys participation. I'm going to get through these here uh, real quick. I, 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 I'm aware of the time, but love enjoys participation in scriptures. Turn back to Acts chapter 2. We're going to finish in our chapter here. Uh, we're going to finish in, in Acts. Acts chapter 2. It says this in verse number 42 it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but I, I think you do. I think you're here this morning because you like the Word of God. I don't mean to say I don't know about you because I know that you're here because of the Word of God. You're here because you love God. That's why people go to church, to show God their love, to, to worship Him. But um, one of the things we do here is get into the Word of God. We get into the Scriptures. This is our, these are our marching orders. Why we try to do what we do is, is based upon the Word of God. And so it says here, the first disciples, the first uh, church here, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. We fellowship. We have times of fellowship. Uh, we break bread oftentimes, a lot of times, and in prayers. And, and so um, the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it talks about uh, the church at Berea. It says they were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily. I wanna encourage you, I try to encourage you, get into the word of God. Uh, Enjoy participation in the word of God. Study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word word of truth. And um, we had uh, the time, uh, our ordination time with uh, our men and uh, we got around the word of God. We talked about the word of God. Why? Because that's what it's all about. What we believe is found here. I uh, was encouraged last Sunday. I think it was last Sunday. Yeah, it was last Sunday. Uh, I was encouraged by one of our men, a couple of our men, actually. Wesley's one of them, and, and I'm trying to put him on the spot. But after I, after I preached, we preached and we talked about Jonah. And uh, I had made the statement that I heard preachers talking about how as Jonah was in that belly of the whale, that the acid uh, in that belly of the whale... Could have possibly, uh, the preacher said, eaten his pigment off, and so it could have been like Jonah was vomited out like a uh, uh, like an albino. And then uh, Wesley, brother Wes, had a he had a great point that he brought to me, and he said something like, "Pastor, I I disagree uh, with uh, with uh, maybe the way Jonah not having uh, not having the pigment on him." And I said, "Okay, that's interesting. That's." And he had, but he had scripture and he showed me the account. And this is, this is, I I love this. I want to encourage you that are in here. If you have Bible questions, I want to have dialogue with you. I don't want you to think that I'm, that I'm not an approachable person. I don't think there's anybody like that in here, but I want to encourage you. If you have Bible questions, I want to talk to you. I want to explain if you have a question, why we do a certain thing. I'll try to show you from the word of God, why we do what we do. Why I do what I do. uh, Why I might believe a certain way. But Wesley, he showed me the uh, the account of the uh, the three Hebrew boys that were put in the fiery furnace, and then in that passage in particular, it talks about uh, somebody mentioned that it said uh, there was no smoke, but it, it also says there was not a hair. I'm I'm butchering the passage, but basically they were unharmed. And so if it's synonymous, it could be synonymous. You know, synonymous picture. They were. Uh, they, were, they were there and, and um, all that to say, man, I, I appreciate that kind of dialogue. Brother, Brother Bill brought something to my attention about Samson that I hadn't considered. You know the story of Samson. He had the long hair. And the Bible says that, uh, well, he said that his strength was in his hair. And the devil tried to bring these different women to entice him to see what the secret of his strength was. And then Samson, after three times of, uh, of uh, almost being tricked, uh after, after three times, he, he, um, he said that my strength lies in my hair. If you cut my hair, I'll be just as weak as anybody else. Morosco paraphrase. And so they cut his hair and he lost all of his strength. But Brother Bill said this, and I thought it was a very interesting thing to consider. What if Samson had said my strength? What if he had given God the glory for his strength? What do you have ever lost it? That's a wonderful point to, to think about there. But I love the uh, uh, I love the dialogue of scripture, love talking about the word of God, love talking about the Bible, and love enjoys participation. Let's participate in the word of God. I think of an illustration of this as a cow. How many of you know that cows chew their cud? How many of you have ever been around that? How many of you have ever seen the cows that have the holes in the side of their anybody? They have a plug. They're doing some experimenting, and maybe it was on uh, uh, Dirtiest Jobs where the guy, he's at this place, and the guy puts a glove on, and he's able to reach in the cow's side and pull out the cud. Well, I want us to get this visual of this chewing on the cud, okay? Chewing on the cud. We get into the Word of God. It's not something, as I I think I came into the end of the uh, lesson this morning, Talking about not just being hear not just being hearers, hearers of the word, but let's do the word of God, and doing the word of God requires knowing the word of God, and I, we ought to be like these these cows that chew their cud, and this is our cud, and as we meditate on the scripture and and consider that verse there and and uh, mull over it and and uh, just. Squeeze the nutrients out of it there and digest it spiritually. Well, love enjoys participation. They participated in scriptures. They participated in stewardship. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. The Bible says they sold properties, they sold things, and they, they brought the funds and they laid it. At the apostles' feet, they participated in giving and stewardship. They participated in supplications. In Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says, "Prayer was made of the church, a church that loves, participates in prayer one for another. We ought to bear one another's burdens. We ought to be praying for one another." I want to hear uh, the, the 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 prayer request that you have. Share them with each other. Would you pray for me regarding this? Love enjoys participation in stewardship and supplication, in soul winning, in communicating the gospel. In Acts chapter 8, you have Philip who was uh, called by God. Uh, an angel of the Lord spake to Philip, and uh, Philip wasn't a preacher, Philip wasn't a staff member, Philip was somebody who trusted Christ, and the angel told him, There's somebody uh, down here. Uh, Where was he? Uh, Down in Jerusalem and uh, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and he went. Behold, there was an Ethiopian man, an Ethiopian eunuch. And this eunuch was kicking back in a chariot. And he was reading a book of the Bible, Isaiah. And he was trying to figure it out. And uh, an angel told uh, Philip to run down there and and share the gospel with him. And then Philip says, hey, you know what what you're reading there? And the eunuch said, the Ethiopian man said, how can I accept some man should should guide me? And then Philip was able to preach the gospel and that Ethiopian eunuch, he got saved. The Bible says they stood and then Philip took him down and he baptized him right then. He got saved and then he got baptized. And so love participates, Uh, love enjoys participation. In supplication and soul winning and in, in service, there was a woman named Lydia in Acts chapter sixteen. It said that she worshipped God, but she was not saved. And then she got saved, and after she got saved, she helped these missionaries. She helped Paul and Barnabas, and and uh, she was worshiping God, but she wasn't saved. And then she got saved. Then she got baptized. And then she got involved in service, and she participated in the work of God. And number three, lastly, we're done right here. Love encourages preaching and preachers. Love encourages preaching, preaching the word of God, and preachers. They desired the word of God in the, in the, in the passage here in this chapter. Loving people who loved the Lord encouraged preaching and the preachers. In Acts 17, 11, it's talked about they search the scriptures daily. And as a missionary, I've had the opportunity to preach and to be in literally hundreds of churches across America. And there are different, different types of churches, different thermostats of church, churches, different, different levels of, of thermometers of the Christians that are in those churches. Churches that love God. Churches that exhibit the love of God, they love preachers. They love the people who are preaching the word of God because that's what we're supposed to do. There's an anticipation of wanting God's holy word to speak to them, to speak to their hearts. They listen to preaching. Look at Acts chapter 20, and we're finished in in this passage here, Acts chapter 20. I want you to see this here. This was uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul. And I'm motivated here to continue on. Acts chapter 20, verse 6, it says, And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and came unto them Troas in five days, where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, When the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, I want you to notice something there. Did you notice something? When did they assemble? What day were they assembled? First day of the week. They were assembled, and they were breaking bread, yes. And um, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. You ever been to a church service where they preached until midnight? Have you, mission field? I'm not. I'm talking preaching. I'm not talking an all night prayer service. Although you can you can preach at one of those. I've been to all night prayer meetings, but uh, can you imagine that the preacher preach until midnight? It's twelve o'clock right now. Twelve more hours, and and we can follow suit. But I'm I'm simply bringing this up here. They they enjoyed it. If they didn't enjoy it, they'd be they'd be they'd be gone, right? What were they doing? They were assembled around the word of God. He preached until midnight. I don't think it was something that was advertised necessarily. Hey, uh, bring a lunch because we're going to be here till midnight. We're going to have a uh, late service. Get prepared. Hey, bring your bring your walking shoes. Bring your pillow. You no, know, he he preached, and they they that's what they did. They endured the preaching. (laughs) Um, They listened to the preaching. They loved the preacher. In uh, verse 31, let's see. Actually, skip down to verse 36. And when they had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. Verse number 37, we're talking about Paul here. He preached till midnight. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him into the ship. I think of, you know, we had Brother Steve has taken a church, and, and it was a bittersweet time. Um, y'all loved him. We love him. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think the example here is that they love the preaching and they loved the preachers of the word of God. They showed love to the missionary as the missionary had showed love to them. And that's a good thing. A church is a family. It's a body that shares in grief. They share in challenge. We share in victories. We share in defeats. We share in sadnesses as well. During the season of Super Bowl one, the great quarterback Bart Starr had a little incentive scheme going on with his oldest son. And uh, he told his son that for every perfect paper Bart Jr. brought home from school, Starr gave him 10 cents. After a particularly rough game against St. Louis in which Starr felt he had performed poorly, he returned home weary and battered. And late at night after a long plane ride home, But uh, he couldn't help feeling better when he reached his bedroom. There attached to his pillow in his bedroom was a note that said this. Dear Dad, I thought you played a great game. Love, Bart. And then taped to that note there was two dimes. Two dimes that he had previously earned. And in closing, I want to say this. A church that is a mighty church for God shows love endures persecution, enjoys participation, encourages preaching and preachers. As we have preachers come through here occasionally and, and uh, man, I wanna encourage you, I wanna encourage you to encourage them. I wanna encourage you to, to love on them. I wanna encourage you to, to get to know them. I wanna encourage you to, to, to love our missionaries. Pray for them. They need it. We need it. I want to encourage you to pray for one another. Love one another. And in conclusion, 1 Corinthians 13.13 says this, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity, love, and action. Let's bow. Father, I thank you for your love for us God, I thank you for your independence.